Uh, welcome to the first ever Rumblecast. I'm Stephanie Smith. This is Jimmy King. <laughs> and we're from Rumble Restorations. We are kicking off our podcast with a little bit of information about us so people can get to know us before we start bringing some guests on. So I wanted to ask you some questions. Are you okay with that? I don't know that I have a choice. <laughs> Do you trust me? <laughs> I always trust you. Uh, I'm not going to throw any hardballs at you. Uh, first up, what is your day job, Jimmy King? You don't just restore candles <clears throat> all the time. What do you do otherwise? No, so I'm uh, active duty army for the West Virginia National Guard. Been doing, uh, been in the military a total of 28 years. So I was a what you call a weekend warrior for many years. Joined when I was 17, and many years later, this is where I'm at. Just pursuing a passion for uh, all things that rumble. <laughs> Absolutely. It's amazing that you've been doing that for 27 years, considering you're not even 40 yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that may not be true. Yeah, 28 years, and yeah, I'm, I'm a little over 40. Yeah, I'm just a, a hard time. Um, that's my job. Uh, I am a teacher and I've been in education for 20 years. Uh, you're in West Virginia and I'm in the Chicagoland area. And you grew up in West Virginia and I grew up in West Virginia and outside of Boston. Um, what was your experience with cars growing up? When did you start to love vehicles? Well, I can say I did not love them when... Uh... I was growing up uh, because something was always breaking down and it was either late for school or uh, put my dad in a bad mood, et cetera. Uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have similar stories, but probably, uh, probably when I first started staying with my sister, my oldest sister, she's quite a few years older than me. Probably when I first started staying with her and her husband, uh he was always into vehicles he was a mechanic by trade and he had hot rod magazine so i would look through those and dream and read and learn as much as i could even as a kid did he take you out to the garage and teach you stuff um he did not have a garage he worked in a garage but where he lived he did not have a garage uh no I probably learned more from my dad, uh, but that wasn't hot rods or anything fancy. Yeah. Um, but uh, I remember we had a 62 unibody Ford pickup. Uh, rode around the, and now it was a Ford, but it had a Chevrolet engine in. So <laughs> it was it was a little different. Yeah, a little best bit. of both worlds, if you will. Um. So had that, I remember a 78 Ram charger that I had as a kid. I was probably 14, 15. And then my dad had a 78 Dodge pickup. Uh, the bed had rusted, so he built a wooden bed, and it was, it was great. And it would go anywhere. And, you know, there were other vehicles along the way. Uh had a Subaru Brat for those listening. If you know what those, those are, that was a, that was a teeny car. I doubt I could fit in one today, but uh, it was a, uh, it was a fun car, but it was, it was a little car. I don't think I've ever seen one of those. Uh, they're rare. Uh, yeah. Most of them rust out or get turned into uh, 
sardine cans because that's about the same size. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember those vehicles specifically. And uh, I remember I was probably 12, probably 12 years old. My dad traded a Toyota FJ40 for a Troy Bill Tiller. And I will never, I will never forget that. Yeah. Looking back, what that was, it was something uh, pretty special and it would go anywhere. Yeah. Uh, we also had a couple international scouts. Um, and I just remember how they would go anywhere as well, but they were brutally cold in the wintertime. Yeah, I bet. Well, I feel like you grew up with an appreciation for vehicles. Um, so did I, because I was in part raised by my dad, my uncle and my grandfather and was dragged around. My dad managed a Napa store for my whole life. And so I would go on sales calls and be at all the garages and they were always out in the garage fixing stuff. And I uh, just sat and watched it all and sometimes was put to work, but I'm certainly not as mechanically inclined as you are, though. I'm still hoping uh, hoping that you teach me a little. <laughs> um. I will teach you what I know, but I'm always learning myself. I'm holding out hope. Um, but we definitely both appreciate vehicles and grew up with them as part of our lives. Uh, so that is why we love a good rumble. Um, tell us a little bit about the Bronco that you have currently and why it's special. So my current Bronco, I have several, but the one we're talking about, the, the copper one, hot ginger to be precise. So before I went to Afghanistan, I almost bought a Jeep. Uh, I was renting at the time. Uh, I was active duty, but I was renting at the time. Didn't have a place to keep it. Then I got called to active duty or to deployment in Afghanistan. So I did not buy it. So when I came back from my deployment in 2011, uh, I still wanted a Jeep. Obviously, that one was long gone, but I what I really wanted was something Jeep like, but different, something not as common. <laughs> Better than a Jeep. <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe. not to offend yeah. anyone. We can respect a Jeep, but it's not. I, that's what I learned how to drive. So I'm not going to totally disrespect the Jeep, but every Jeep I had rusted out. And I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate to that, especially the frame. Um. But uh, anyway, uh, I was still active duty when I came back from uh, Afghanistan, and I worked with uh, some Air Force folks. I'm Army. I worked with some Air Force Air, Air Force uh, Airmen, is technical uh, term. And uh, anyway, uh, talking vehicles, I mentioned I'd like to have a Bronco, and his friend had one. I said, oh, you know, here I am getting excited. I said, where's it at? And he's like, oh, it's in Alabama. I'm like, well, that doesn't do me any good. Well, fast forward a few months. Uh, I traveled a lot with that position and uh, ended up in Alabama. So I called my friend up. I'm like, uh, where's your buddy exactly? And he told me, and long story short, it was 30 minutes away. My friend and I, we went and looked at it, and I bought it on the spot. Yeah. And it's been, I think that was 2012. So yeah, it's, it's been a minute, but you know, the thing about a Bronco and you know, this is true for a lot of passionate car owners. 
you're never done. It's like, oh, my, it's finally done. Nah, it's not really done. There's always something you're doing to it. Yeah. Even something minute like, oh, I want to change the lug nuts to this or I want the valve stem uh, caps or there's always something. Right. So never done with it. But uh, it fueled a passion. And, uh, you know, I've had several different vehicles. I currently have a 69C10 that I'll probably sell, but I might keep. Who knows? But, uh, yeah. And I'm not uh, uh, one of these people who loves just Fords or just Chevys or just Dodges. But, uh, yeah, I have an appreciation for all the old uh, classics. Just time and money limits uh, uh, my pursuit of them. Sure. So what are the specs on the Bronco now that it's almost complete? (laughs) Almost. (laughs) So, uh, let's see. So the Bronco is a 1972. Uh, it has custom leather interior. It has the original seats, but they're, uh, obviously completely refurbished new foam, uh, custom leather covers, matching leather for the dash, the side panels, the bed covers, tailgate panel, uh, center console pad, and the shifter boots so everything matches as it should uh it's got a 302 roller engine out of a 97 ford explorer gt40p heads uh three angle valve job uh everything was replaced except the crank which was turned ten thousandths uh put holly sniper fuel injection aftermarket uh fuel tank on it um literally everything is brand new. I didn't have to replace the complete uh, front and rear axle housings. Um, I did not replace the transfer case, uh, replace the gaskets. uh, And then I put a used five speed transmission in it. So everything else on it, except uh, I didn't. I didn't have to. Where it was from the South in Alabama, I didn't have to replace the entire body. Uh, but there were some body panels I did have to replace. But yeah. What I, what, what I kept original, or what I could keep as original, I did. Yeah, and I was going to say that's a tip. Like a lot of times when we're looking at vehicles, we think about looking down south because there's less rust. Correct. Yeah, that's good for anyone who's looking for a project car. Um, what's been the most challenging part about the restoration process for you for this particular vehicle? This is so this is the first one I've done basically from the ground up. So when you th- when you talk about restoring a vehicle, it's like you want to do the wiring, you want to do uh, plumbing of the uh, fuel system, plumbing of the brakes, install the transmission. You want to do all these things. I would say the most challenging part is uh, lack of knowledge. So it's like sometimes you do one thing, only have to take it out to do something else, and then you have to do it all over again. So sometimes, most most things, uh, specifically the transmission, I think I've had it uh, in and out of the Bronco three times. So I had to put it in and then mark where I wanted the shifter hole cut in the transmission tunnel. Then I had to take it out. Then I uh, put it back in. Then when I went to bleed the slave cylinder, um, 
kind of over tightened it and snapped it off. Those were frustrating days. I remember those days. (laughs) So then I had to take, and everything was hooked up. So I had to take the draft shafts out, the transfer case, cross member, everything back out. Then I had to wait for the new one to come in. Then I had to put it all back together. So So that's that's one example. Yeah, it takes a lot of patience. And I think sometimes you're learning as you go, right? Oh, absolutely. You become an expert. Like each project can bring different challenges. Um, And sometimes just waiting for the next part or whatever, you're feeling impatient because you want to just get things done. But that's not the way a restoration project works. (laughs) No. And with the the demand of Broncos uh, in today's market, uh, there's a lot of products. that you're going to be waiting months for. So if it's something, and that's another thing I learned, uh, like the interior. So most quality interior uh, uh, or upholstery shops, they are, they're busy. So if it's something you want next week, you're not going to get it. So that's some of those things you have to think uh, in advance. So probably think four months out. Uh, another example, I have a friend that ordered a blueprint engine for his Bronco. Well, that took four months. So, uh, vent windows was another item. Uh, Dakota digital gauge clusters was another. So, you know, there's some items that's hard to get and you have, you just have to plan accordingly. Yeah. And make some connections and figure out who has things the fastest and when they're actually shipping from the place you're ordering from versus getting them from a third party and then getting them to you. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly been a process. Um, what are you hoping to build next? Well, probably I have, uh, I have a few other Broncos. I will probably build a 1974 next. Uh, I have a very good friend in the Bronco industry. He will be on a later podcast. Uh, he does very high-end builds and is trying to talk me into a Coyote. However, I may wait uh, because I have a opportunity at a 351 Cleveland, which is not really a truck motor, but it's a very high-performance engine. So I might, I might purchase that from him and build another uh, push rod motor, if you will. Yeah. Do I get a vote in this? <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, that's a good answer. I don't know if I have a strong opinion, <laughs> but I think we have to tackle the coyote eventually, right? Uh, we will. So I'm, I'm doing a little bit of work for uh, this this individual behind the scenes. and uh, There's going to be a time that I do a coyote, but uh, may not be the next one. Yeah. Well, there's so many more to come. So I think that's a fine philosophy. What do you think is so special about the Bronco community? Well, I don't know if it's, well, there are a lot of things special, but uh, like a lot of uh, car quote unquote communities like Jeep, you know, Jeep's a big community, uh, for example, Chevelle's, you know, whatever you have, there's a community for it. Uh, The Bronco community um, and I can't speak for the others, but the Bronco community, since I've had this, everybody's willing to help. Uh, you know, uh, today, for ex- example, uh, one of my very good friends has a very nice Bronco. He came over and helped me uh, change out sea bushings and uh, hubs and mites. So, you know, uh, 
everybody that has a Bronco, it seems like, uh, again, this is based on my experience. Everybody is passionate about Broncos. It doesn't matter if you have a $300,000 Bronco or if you just has have one that runs and drives. Yeah. Everybody's willing to help out. There's no shaming. There's no um, hesitation in helping somebody out that needs help. Yeah, so. and I think everybody appreciates uh, what the other person has for what it is, whether it's something that's in the process of being restored or something maybe they inherited from a family member that they don't even really know much about or something that's been totally done to the top level. I think it's like a real equalizer. It brings people together from all different kinds of backgrounds and people who maybe have a lot of wealth and are choosing to build like a more fancy uh, version of the Bronco versus people who maybe it's been in the family for generations. I think that's a really good. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny you mention it because yeah, there's, uh, you know, there's different uh, ways of thinking. Some people want the most modern, for instance, the Coyote that I mentioned, which is very popular and a very good platform. There's also others who just want as original as possible, you know, want a six cylinder inline six cylinder with a carburetor three on the tree just as basic as it can get yeah. and you know and that's the thing about uh broncos every bronco has a story and that's that's part of the beauty of it you hear the story whether it's that person's story or it's the story and history of that vehicle so that's that's always fun to hear well, I think that's part of the reason why we decided to start a podcast, right? Because there are so many stories that go with vehicles. And as we talk to people and get parts and buy things, we are really starting to hear more and more of that. And I'm wondering, is there somebody that you're hoping that we talk to in this process or just in general, any hopes for who we get to interview? Uh, yeah, so so I envision, you know, as we start these podcasts, you know, I, I do appreciate people like Wild Horses and Toms and BC Broncos and, you know, all these big builders, you know, Velocity that you and I had toured before. All, all of the, all of those large manufacturers are great and have a lot of insight and they build great products. But I would like to, you know, look at people just involved in the, the share of passion for the for the vehicles that they own, not necessarily just Broncos, but Chevelles or, you know, F-250s, that's a big community as well. But somebody who's out there, you know, busting their butt, helping others and building that that particular uh, vehicle or genre, if you will, if you can label vehicles as a genre, uh, better. So, you know, somebody that's a subject matter expert and very passionate about that particular vehicle, yep. whether it's Scouts, F-250, Chevelles, and, you know, let let them be heard. Let, let them share their story. Everybody has a story. Every vehicle has a story. Absolutely. I agree with you. Okay. Hard-hitting question here. What's the best song to drive a Bronco to? Now that's uh, that is unexpected. Oh wow! Uh, Sunny and seventy five comes to mind. I knew you were going to say that. That's uh, that's a great Bronco song, especially if you don't have the top or if you just have a bikini top. Uh, there are so many. Uh, toward the evening, the cars. Yeah. 
who's going to drive you home tonight? Good one. How uh, many money? Get- take me home tonight. I mean, we can go on and on. But- Lots of going home. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go with Feeling All Right by Joe Cocker because that's my, like, never. it's never a bad song. Yeah. That's, that's another perfect no top on the vehicle right it's a good one i like a top on it because the first time i drove the copper one i did not and it uh it was a little painful the next day yeah a little bit yeah i mean just like you just like you mentioned earlier you you're always learning so that was uh one piece of it for sure well that's all my questions for you. What wasn't so bad, was it? No, no, not at all. Okay. So if you're listening, you can expect that we're just going to be sitting down and having conversations with people. We love hearing their stories, talking to them. Jimmy has a problem where we go somewhere. He ends up there for hours because people just tell him everything and want to talk to him. So we're going to totally use that to our advantage and get to know people who are passionate about vehicles. So we're just getting started, but Dream big, start small. Thank you for listening. This has been the Rumblecast.